his chair, revealing incidentally that he wore carpet slippers and had bunions. Come with me and I'll show you Morgivan's beauties before you go. You can start tomorrow morning. Obediently, Patrick followed his new employer through the turnstile, which was swung round obligingly by the other attendant, down a narrow whitewashed tunnel into a large apartment. Never seen figures before, inquired Mr. McGeevan. Waxworks? Not since I was a kid. All of monarchs, said Mr. McGeevan, sucking his teeth with a depreciating sound. The room in which they found themselves was bare and vault-like. Here, too, the walls were whitewashed. The floor was covered with a red drugget, and in the middle of the room was placed a sofa, upholstered in a shabby crimson plush. Yet although bare, the room was not empty, but crowded. Crowded with a pale throng of mute and stiff and silent figures. They stood in groups, a daze to each group, and were protected from the public by a red cord, which imprisoned them like sheep in a pen so that had they wished they could not have strayed, but must forever remain captive. Though they stood, and would no doubt stand throughout the ages, these tinsel kings and queens, Plantagenets and Stuarts, Tudors and Hanoverians, calm and blank and dreadfully remote, pallid of cheek and glassy of eye, indifferent to all who pass by to gape at them, a host of waxen princes, all dead, many of them forgotten, terribly isolated in their garish splendour, uncannily galvanised into a crude semblance of life that yet denied them even the elements of life, leaving them fixed, frozen and staring, while the dust thickened upon their cheap and fusty robes of purple and sham ermine. Opposite the door through which they had come was another door, leading to yet another chamber, Mr. Mugivan led the way. Curiosities and horrors, he explained carelessly. They passed through the second door. Here was another room, a replica of the first, but more dimly lit, more melancholy even than the Hall of Monarchs, since the illumination that winked upon this dreary scene was greenish, ghastly, such a light as might have been expected to proceed from a sconce of corpse candles. Here were more massed ranks of still impassive figures, paler these than the monarchs in the dim grotto of their melancholy chamber, and more repellent, perhaps because their stiff, indifferent bodies were clothed in the garments of every day and borrowed no majesty from the prince's robes, however sham. A skeleton gleamed white in one corner of the room. There was a stuffed ox with six legs, a tiny waxen midget, and a giant of local fame. Save for these, the room was peopled only with men who had killed and who had paid the penalty for killing. A throng, staring before them, expressionless, rigid, mask-like, brooding, perhaps, upon their crimes. Mr. McGeevan seemed more at home in the second room. He became almost conversational. His Hopkins, the Norwich Strangler, Tracy, who shot a policeman, John Joseph Gilmore, cut the throats of his wife and two children. They moved across the room. Then, near the slit of a window crossed by iron bars, Patrick saw her for the first time. She stood on a little daze by herself, a young woman, or rather the effigy of a young woman, 
dressed neatly in dark clothes that were already old-fashioned in cut. She carried herself proudly like a queen, and whereas the other waxworks were completely expressionless of countenance, this one alone, with proudly curling lips and short imperious nose, seemed, he thought, naturally to live, perhaps because she was disdain incarnate. She stood there easily, gracefully, long pale hands folded upon her breast, and Patrick, gazing, felt the cool amazed stare of her grey eyes. For a moment his heart leapt sharply, startling him, and he had a sudden impulse to move forward and look more closely at her. Then this sensation was succeeded by a creeping feeling of curious discomfort. He was embarrassed. He had to avert his eyes. Who's that woman? he asked impetuously, and then wished that he had not spoken. Mr. McGeevan answered him.